Welcome to another episode of Executive Health and Life. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, and it, it is my mission here to help you maintain your edge and your status by encouraging you to become the CEO of your health and your life. Now, with that said, on today's episode, we are going to be discussing aging and how it affects our everyday performance, ranging from our career to our personal life and everything that is included within someone's personal life. Now, as we think about aging, there isn't one direct, simplified answer to address and answer and solve the puzzle of why we age, nor how we can stop it. Instead, though, it's a myriad of factors, such as your genetics, your lifestyle, your environment. All these things create a cascade light effect that throughout the years is what we know as aging. Now, you've heard me mention also multiple times that our chronological age needs to be separated from our biological age. One keeps up with the number of trips around the sun, while the other keeps tabs on the damage and the dysfunction of various cellular markers. Now, in more simplified terms here, it's looking at how fast our tissues, our organs, and our cells are going to age. So why I said that aging doesn't actually have one simplified answer there has been a set of cellular factors that have been identified to drive aging and ultimately be the culprit that slows us down in business, in life, and in our personal life. So back in June of 2012, published in Cell, which 2012 seems, it's a very long time ago. Good grief. It's over a decade now. Time flies. But researchers established nine fundamental factors defining why we age. And recently in 2022, not too long ago, they updated this and they moved it up to 12 official hallmarks. And I'm not going to lie, probably, probably in a few years, they might have 14 or 15. You know, this is the world of science. There's never, that's this how it goes. But anyway, but anything can't be a hallmark. So why you may think that this is just going to get to 100 at one point, that's not necessarily true because there is some type of criteria that has to be um, established to actually make it onto this criteria. And so number one is it arises during the normal aging process. Number two is it's going to accelerate aging when it's upregulated in experiments. Number three is it's going to decelerate, stop, or reverse aging when downregulated. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the hallmarks, I will briefly discuss each, each one. I did a deeper dive into the nine hallmarks many episodes ago. So I'm going to roughly go over the three new ones and then also the nine existing ones as well that were already here. And then I will end it by going over 12 practical applications that you can start today to start living a longer and healthy life. So each of these actions of these 12 points that I'm going to talk about, they're going to play a benefit in one or many of these hallmarks of aging. So these are not in order. So as I go through this, I don't think this is in um, sequential order or anything like that. But let's just go ahead and start with the first one. And that is none other than genomic instability. This is simply DNA becomes less stable and it leads to errors in our genetic sequences. Number two is telomere attrition. 
Telomeres are these protective caps at the ends of our chromosomes that shorten with every cell division to um, protect our vital genetic information. Think of these like the little shoelaces uh, that we have on our tennis shoes. And these little, the little end part of the shoelace wears down over time and then it gets all frazzled and everything. It's essentially what is happening here. And these are one of the things that you can pretty much think of as a proxy for measuring your biological age. You know, once a cell reaches the end of its telomere, it can no longer replicate and it becomes senescent. The next one is epigenetic alterations. Your epigenome can be thought of as a code that dictates which part of your genome is expressed at certain times. Now with age, environmental exposures, and various unhealthy lifestyle habits, your epigenome is going to become less able to turn genes on or off correctly. This is going to lead to loss epigenetic information, which leads to aging. The next one is loss of proteostasis. Now, proteostasis, some people also call this simply um, protein homeostasis. This maintains proteins in their correctly folded states. And a loss of protein maintenance causes these proteins that should be in these folded states and maintain this, um, this proper structure, they can't function properly. And this is going to alter cellular functioning. And our, our bodies also become less efficient at breaking down and removing damaged proteins. And the fifth one out of the 12 is deregulated nutrient sensing. Big picture wise with this one, this is where our ability to sense and respond to nutrients decrease. For example here, when you have nutrients and you have an abundant amount of them, it's plentiful. Your body places focus on energy storage and um, reproduction. While in a more scarce environment, a nutrient scarce environment, this allows your body to start to prioritize cellular repair and maintenance. And this process in particular includes a process that a lot of people have heard by now, which is called autophagy. And each of these are beneficial for various different reasons. And some of our main sensing pathways is insulin, and IGF-1 signaling, you got sirtuins, and there's a lot of different sirtuins. You have mTOR, you have AMPK, and a lot of the longevity supplements that you hear and the ones that are coming out, even some that I mentioned, and the peptides as well, these are going to target these types of pathways. So the next one here is mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondrial are primarily responsible for energy production by ATP, but they also produce free radicals and reactive oxygen species. As your mitochondrial functioning declines, you know, of, of course, you know, you're going to have lower levels of energy and but you're also going to have a decreased production of energy and cellular turnover with increased free radical damage. And moving on the list here, the next one we have is cellular senescence. And over time, as we chronologically, quote unquote, get older and, and move throughout the years, our cells can become zombie-like. And these zombie-like cells offer no benefit to us. You know, when, when these cells become senescent, they stop dividing, but they remain in the body doing nothing. 
well, actually, they're doing something. They're secreting inflammatory compounds that damage the nearby tissues and cells that are actually trying to do something. And this buildup of senescent cells is going to, of course, accelerate aging, but it's also going to accelerate inflammation. And the next one here is stem cell exhaustion. So when you think of stem cells, I'm sure you've heard of stem cells by now. Think of stem cells as like a, like a blank canvas. And this blank canvas, it has the ability to grow into any other cell type, whatever's needed at the time. And this is necessary because sometimes you got to repair, sometimes you got to um, regenerate damaged tissues and other cells. Now, unfortunately, though, the typical aging process, what's going to happen here is it's going to deplete the supply of healthy stem cells. Aging depletes the supply of healthy stem cells. This is then going to cause different types of disease, potentially frailty, organ dysfunction, various chronic illnesses and situations, decreased performance, decreased productivity, and lower immune functioning. Which, when you think of lower immune functioning, you think of someone who's going to be more susceptible to various things out in the environment that we typically come across, but it does nothing to us because our immune system is able to handle it. So this person's a lot more in a compromised position. Number nine is altered intracellular communication. So to maintain the health and the integrity of your tissues and organs, it's imperative that your cells are communicating effectively. Now, we have an aging body. This aging body is more prone to dysfunctional communication. It's most often now due to chronic and just low-grade inflammation, senescence, again, free radical accumulation, and DNA damage. Now, if you haven't listened to the episode that I recorded a few episodes ago, I forgot the exact number now, but in that episode, I discussed five underrated biomarkers. Now, of course, there are way more than five important biomarkers. You know, I think of just the lab test that I like to use. It's over a hundred that you can look at, but I've, I named five underrated biomarkers that you can pay attention to. And these five that I, that I name, I specifically named these five because to my memory, you can get these just at your standard at your, at, at the, at the doctor's office or just getting a standard blood test. And, um, no matter what type of insurance you have, it should be on there. So that's why I named these five. So the next one is chronic inflammation. So out of control inflammation is pretty much both a cause and a symptom of many of the hallmarks of aging. You know, a chronic release of this pro-inflammatory compound, it's going to accelerate aging. It's going to, and then that's going to potentially accelerate the process of some type of disease or um, situation as I like to call them, occurring. And this process is commonly referred to as inflammaging. And this is becoming more and more of a common term thrown out. And chronic inflammation, this inhibits stem cell functioning, which reduces the immune system's ability to fight various pathogens and 
once again, is going to further drive the aging process. So if you haven't noticed by now, and I have two more to go, all these things play into each other. They're not, they don't exist in silos. Pretty much when one of these things starts to mess up and isn't addressed, it's, start, it's going to affect the other thing. This is why when you think about, or when, I should say, when you go about approaching your health, sure, you have certain areas that need more attention than the others, but that doesn't mean that you can completely ignore these other areas of your health because none of these things exist in a vacuum or silo. They are all dynamically interconnected to each other. So number 11 here, the 11th one, is disabled macroautophagy. So the big picture here with this one is that there's a buildup of waste. This can lead to metabolic disorders. Our cellular self-cleaning process is letting us down. And this process is commonly known as autophagy. There's a lot of books and stuff on autophagy now. This is basically your cellular trash and recycling system. This is going to, to clear out, eliminate, eradicate all the various dysfunctional and toxic cells, proteins, and mitochondria, and other cell parts that need to be out of our system and eliminated. So this system, when it's not working, and you can just think of this area as like your garbage service not running, or it's showing up less frequently, and this is going to lead to more trash accumulation. Now, if you lived in a place like New York City, um, that's a big deal when you, you, you can imagine when uh, I remember when I was in New York that for some reason, I think the, the trash people were like a day or two late. Maybe it was weather. I, I don't remember the exact scenario, but they were behind and the trash was the trash pileup was huge, astronomical. And of course, um, what followed suit was I got introduced to seeing a lot of rats. Um, so. I don't know why that story is relevant about the rats and everything, but I wanted to drive home that this um, this particular one here is a um, akin to like a garbage service. And this is how I always remember this and think about this because I think about people not picking up the trash or the trash service is not coming. And all of a sudden it smells a little bad, smells a little worse when you're out trying to get some fresh air and um there's rodents and stuff depending on where you live well tennessee we don't have rodents like that so that's a that's a good thing that's the new york people but anyway the last one here is dysbiosis so big picture wise with this one this is an imbalance of your gut microbiome this which of course plays an important role in your health and your longevity and the interesting thing about the gut microbiome is that it's it's so many unknowns with that and you know, I um I recently saw maybe a few months ago, haven't got around to trying it myself, that there's even like an oral microbiome test that you can take now that will give you some interesting data as well about your oral oral health and uh, also your gut health. So it's a um it's an ever evolving area, but dysbiosis has been shown to affect not only longevity, but also your cardiovascular, your car your cognitive, your neurological your metabolic, your immune, and your digestive health, of course. So um, so after hearing all of these 12, it's common and almost an expected feeling to feel overwhelmed, to maybe think that you just hear all this, it's just a bunch of jargon that you're drinking out of a fire hose. And 
what am I going to do with all this? A lot of times, especially people get inundated, bombarded with a bunch of information. They're not going to do anything. But here is the good news. That's not true. There are so many things that you can do, but everything moves in a sequence. And I want you to keep that in mind. Life, health, a lot of these things, they operate in need to be executed in a sequence. So what does that mean? Well, to also help with procrastination, think of this as a sequence. And the reason why is because I'm going to share these 12 actions that I mentioned earlier. These 12 actions have a lower barrier to entry than other things that you could do that are that are beneficial, of course, but these 12 things are going to give you more bang for your buck, and it's going to ensure that you have the foundations executed and strongly solidified. So let's get started with that. Number one is not smoking. I know who smokes in 2023. Well, Actually, it's more people than you think. Now, most people, it's not as many people smoking now than they did in the 90s and 2000s, but still 12.5% of U.S. adults are still current smokers. Well, that was this 2020. And it's basic. It's a no-brainer. But still, it's important to do that. Any type of smoking. Smoking remains the leading cause of preventable disease, disability, death, because it affects genomic instability, DNA damage, epigenetic alterations, telomere attrition, and many more of the hallmarks of aging. So you got to get the no, the no brainer out of the way. This is a huge one. The next one though, the next one is minimizing your alcohol consumption. People have People are very connected to alcohol. I understand. If you're one of those people, a lot of countries where it truly is a social thing, you have this one small drink at a social outing. But let me tell you, I can count on the number of people on my hand who actually adhere to that type of relationship with alcohol. Most of the people that drink are not doing it for that reason. It's stress to escape. And those are probably the two big ones. I'll leave it at that. Alcohol accelerates biological aging, especially when it's consumed chronically and in excess, which is what typically a lot of people do. Drinking 29 units of alcohol per week, that's about 10 glasses of wine. I know that that sounds like a lot, but over the course of time, it's Pretty easy, you'll be surprised to get through 10 glasses of wine throughout the course of a week, especially if you're a social butterfly. You have a lot of functions and gatherings that you go to. Uh, Maybe you go on a date or two. Maybe you go on dinners and and stuff like that. That can get there quite easily. Anyway, this 10 glasses of wine, 29 units, that's going to accelerate telomere shortening at a rate equivalent up to three years of aging. So you're aging, accelerating three years, simply from alcohol consumption. Now, moderate alcohol consumption. This is the one drink per day for women. This is the two for men. That's moderate. Even still, I would suggest lowering your alcohol consumption even more, especially to where it's not something that's used daily. Even because what it's going to do with even some of your your typical everyday 
metrics, such as your heart rate, the quality of sleep. These things can be affected by alcohol, even a glass or two. So keep that in mind. And if you have any sort of wearable that you use, track it next time you drink, next time you have some alcohol, look at your sleep score and, and see, maybe you get eight hours of sleep, but what is the quality? What is the breakdown of that sleep? Are you getting the same amount of deep sleep, REM sleep that you typically would get or not? Or are you having many more micro awakenings and a lot of light sleep? So the next one here is number three is to focus on maintaining a healthy body weight. Higher BMI is linked to increased biological aging. This should be no surprise. Being obese and overweight by a good amount accelerates age-related epigenetic changes. Leads to more inflammation, more oxidative stress, more DNA damage. Being obese and even overweight is also associated with most, if not actually all, chronic conditions. Now, of course, add this up. This is going to lead to someone with reduced health spans, lifespans, and a quality of life that is lowered. Also, this is going to also affect your performance in the business world. Your performance as you rise up the ranks in the company. This is part of your appearance as part of your executive presence. Your appearance tells people about yourself. Whether we like it or not, we judge people by first impressions. And a lot of times that is based on our looks. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a model. I'm not saying you got to be ripped to shreds or anything. But you do have to be at a pretty healthy, appreciable body weight. And we all have different structures and body types with that as well. So this is not going to be a one-size-fits-all in terms of the ideal look for each of us. So if you have a good amount of muscle, though, I know some of us out there, we got some muscle on us, right? We've been hitting the iron for years. We've been hitting the pavement a little bit with, with some iron as well. Huh. BMI may be skewed some. But once again, you know, let's be honest. A lot of people do not fall into this category. A lot of people do not fall into this category. It is a cap that you hear people say, uh, I'm just overly muscular. This is why my BMI is so high. Uh, I don't know about that. I think they have maybe some muscle, but they also have a little too much body fat as well. That's why their BMI is up. So that's great. Now, while BMI is great, BMI is good for most people still. BMI is great for most people. I know a lot of fitness people will say, no, it's not. For the most, the majority of the population, BMI is still a useful tool. However, I like to also focus on lean body mass. I think that's even more important because now we're looking at we're looking at the, the muscle mass that you're building on because everyone should be resistance training in 2023, getting adequate protein, adequate caloric intake, keeping some muscle on them, doing their best with that while still losing body fat. And then your lean body mass is going to improve on that. And then also being um, keeping in mind your overall bone density as well. So the fourth one here is to focus on maintaining an empowering and healthy mood. Chronic depressive symptoms, along with a this, this overall pessimistic and victim mentality mindset, these are linked to increasing your epigenetic age. 
this can, of course, also reduce your health span, also reduce your lifespan, and also it makes you not a fun person to be around. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. Nobody wants to be around a person who's always whining and complaining and, and never has any solutions. And you're definitely not going to thrive in the workplace with that kind of attitude. It's, it's contagious in the wrong way. It reminds me of the 48 laws of power, avoid the unhappy and unlucky. I believe that's one of the laws. Now, feeling as if you have no control, this is also included in this group as well, because it's, it's a mindset thing, but we've all been there a little bit. So look into various therapies, nootropics, optimize your diet some more, consistent exercise, stick with exercise. Let me tell you, exercise has been the, the, the golden gem for me in terms of maintaining my mood, helping me with grief, helping me with anger, any type of mood on the whole spectrum of moods, exercise has been beneficial for that. And also look into other different lifestyle changes to help with your mood as well. Light therapy, uh, the people you hang around with, the type of information that you're consuming, all these things play a part with our mood. So the fifth one here is to exercise with both aerobic and resistance training. Consistent exercise, can slow down aging on a cellular level. Exercising maintains genomic stability, telomere health, proteostasis, nutrient sensing, and mitochondrial functioning. If a pharmaceutical company could figure out how to package together exercise, the benefits, and what it does, and put it in a little capsule and sell it, they would do it, and it would be the all-time highest-selling thing easily. Exercise still is the most powerful longevity tool that we have to offer. I know we have peptides. I know we have all these great therapies, all these great supplements, but exercise is still number one. Muscle is one of the most potent longevity currencies that we have. And so research shows that adults with a high physical activity levels have telomeres that are nine years younger than those who are sedentary. Exercise helps with weight control. It enhances your focus, makes you smarter, decreases your resting heart rate, helps with your executive presence, makes you feel good about yourself, helps with insulin regu regulation. And here is another fun random fact that is also relevant here. There's a gene that is associated with obesity. There's a couple of them, right? But we're just gonna we're just gonna highlight this one. This is called FTO. This is the quote unquote big person gene, the quote unquote obesity gene, the, the gene that quote unquote, it runs in my family. I can't lose weight gene, right? But a common lifestyle modification that you can make and that I, you know, of course, tell someone who has this risk variant because this is just to exercise. Simple. You have this gene, you have this, this variant for this CT, for this FTO gene, simply exercise. So exercising immediately creates a inflammatory environment. That doesn't sound good, right? But long-term fitness people, exercise people, they benefit from this activation of anti-inflammatory pathways during the post-workout. So it all cancels each other out. And actually, the anti-inflammatory actually wins out. Now, a 2016 research paper from the University of Oregon indicates that exercise results in a change in expression of over 3,000 genes. Good Lord, 3,000 genes. That is a lot of genes. 
simply exercising is going to positively change the expression of over 3,000 genes in your body. That's the power of epigenetics. You know, the DNA, the genes that you have, tells you where you came from. But what you, but what you do with it now is all in your hand. And that's just something that we always got to keep in mind. No matter what this world tells us, no matter any of this stuff that goes on, we have more power than we realize. So number six here is to train your brain. When you think of your brain and your cognitive fitness, I want you to think of these t these sorry these um, ten areas. Keep these key areas in mind. Number one is your memory. Number two is attention. Number three is motor control. Number four is sensory processing and perception. Number five is organization, planning, and logic. Number six is your language. Number seven is your social and emotional functioning. Number eight is your computation, your calculation. Number nine is your motivation. Number 10 is your creativity and imagination. These are all different aspects and different tasks that our brain does on a daily basis which is why we got to keep this thing sharp. We got to stay on top of this. So in addition to cardiovascular and strength training, training your brain increases neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the ability to adapt and strengthen various neural connections. Now, some simple brain training activities. Puzzles. We used to, I used to make fun of, of people, some of the old people. Sorry. I called them old when I was a little kid. I used to make fun of them with the crossword puzzles and everything, but maybe they knew more than I did. They had wisdom. And that's what the gray on their face represented. They had wisdom. They were doing puzzles and they knew they were training their brain. Well, probably they didn't know they were training their brain. They probably were just entertaining themselves, but they were actually training them, training their brain, keeping their brain sharp. Other things is word games, chess, learning a new language or skill, and even playing some video games. I had to get rid of video games. It's way too addicting for me. So I had I sold all my video game stuff a long time ago so I can have an ounce of productivity. So number seven is prioritize sleep. Sleep is essential for autophagy. This is the hallmark discussing disabled macroautophagy in which it is, you know, remember, it clears out brain waste and other cellular housekeeping processing information. Sleep also plays a role in helping you form neural pathways and process new information that is learned throughout the day. This is also going to help strengthen your immune system, <clears throat> excuse me, and much, much more in turn. And also, I guess I should also mention um, decision-making and emotional intelligence, things that are needed in the workplace and at home. Seven to nine hours seems to be the sweet spot leading to also um, this group that stays within this range, having longer telomeres as well. So number eight is to go all in on your omega-3s. Now your omega-3 levels, your omega-3 blood levels, these are an important health biomarker that has its tentacles, plays a role, affects, affects our heart, our eyes, our brain, the rate at which we age, even for those women, pregnancy, breastfeeding, all about omega-3 blood levels. Very important. Consumption of omega-3 fatty fish like sardines, salmon, mackerel, anchovies. These are all linked to improved health outcomes and longer telomeres. So make sure to test your fatty acid levels. 
Number nine is to support and optimize your NAD levels. Nicotinamide, adenine dinucleotide, is what NAD stands for. This is a compound known as a coenzyme. Simply put, this thing helps a bunch of other enzymes function correctly. This vital molecule is needed by virtually every cell in our body. This is going to aid in hundreds of processes ranging from brain cell growth to repairing DNA, um, to assisting mitochondrial functioning, kidneys. Uh, NAD plays a critical role in maintaining cellular and metabolic functioning. This is, of course, going to lead to better health, better longevity for our cells, our organs, and our bodies overall. And NAD levels are known to decline rapidly as we grow older, starting pretty much, they start declining pretty much at 30, and they really start declining probably when you get in your 40s typically, but um, it may be different. It's different for a lot of us, but you can support your NAD levels by adding various precursors. One is NMN, which stands for nicotinamide mononucleotide. Or you can use NR, which is nicotinamide riboside. Uh, if I had to pick, I prefer and use and will typically recommend to use the NMN version instead of NR. I'm more of a believer in NMN, but uh, you can choose as you like. You can also, the best news of all is, you can measure your NAD levels to ensure that what you're taking is working. Now, I interviewed Professor Shi a while back on this on this podcast and on all things NAD. He's one of the foremost experts in the world on NAD. And I actually recently measured my NAD levels. I did the intracellular NAD test. And I was actually suboptimal, which was a shock because typically exercise helps boost your NAD levels. But if you're a chronic exerciser, some people would say you overtrain, you work out too much then you may deplete your NAD levels a little bit. So that's probably the reason why. Nevertheless, I've been supplementing with a specialty NMN formulation that's uh, made by Genfinity for a couple of weeks now. And so far, so good. I am feeling a little more pep in my step, a little more energy. And uh, so I, I do. So I'm looking forward to testing in a few weeks to see what my levels are and um, I'm finding my ideal daily dose with that. Number 10 is to load up on your antioxidants, alpha-carotene, um, let's see, astaxanthin, which is one of my favorites, these and many more. These are antioxidants, and these fight oxidative stress in your body to protect your DNA, slow aging, does a lot of other various other functions. Now, astaxanthin, people out in the sun, sometimes you get cooked, sometimes you get sunburned, and that can cause some cellular damage. Astaxanthin is can be thought of as kind of a internal sunscreen and it does a lot of other affects a lot of other um genes epigenetically as well so it's a it's a staple in my rotation of supplements that i use and there's different doses dosages sorry for uh, people to use and that all depends on how active you are and kind of your body weight as well and a few other things but that's a good one that's one of my favorites so some antioxidants can be supplemented for higher doses and others can be found in everyday foods. But of course, things in foods, you're either going to have to eat a lot of it and or you're also going to have to worry about like 
the quality of that food grown, am I actually getting the actual amount of nutrients that it would because soil and a bunch of other things has kind of diminished our food quality in certain places. Some people, it's all fresh, still good. Some of us, not so much. So this thing varies. But nevertheless, some examples are resveratrol. This is found in grapes and wine. This is not an excuse to go drink a bunch of wine to say you're getting your your um, resveratrol. It's not a that's not what that means. Curcumin, this is found in turmeric, but it's probably not going to be absorbed. It's not as bioavailable, so you'll probably need to supplement with curcumin. Um, quercetin, quercetin. I heard some people say quercetin. I like saying quercetin. I think it's quercetin, but um, it's in apples. It's in onions. Um, quercetin is also a um, it's beneficial in terms of uh, it's a senolytic and helping with senescent cells. So that's also another thing. And quercetin with bromelain is also something that helps with allergies as well. And we have anthocyanins. This is from various berries like blueberries, blackberries, yeah, sephora frame, which I love. This is from broccoli, but you can also get sephora frame from, um, I might get this wrong a little bit. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I believe if you drink Moringa and you leave it out for like 10, 15 minutes, I believe, and you got to have it at room temp, leave it out. And I think you can get some of the same benefits as taking Sephora frame and using broccoli sprouts. But you got to look that up. I'm just trying to think, remember this off the top of my head. Um, the next thing is uh, elegic acid, which is berries and pomegranate. We have, uh, um, let's see, and um, antioxidant supplements like um, spermidine, uh, fisetin, green tea extract, which would be EGCG, and many others. All these things can help bridge the gap. So many options, so many things that you could put in the utility belt that you can go to that you can go to a quote unquote war with against what we call age, uh, what people call aging and slowing down. Number eleven is don't isolate yourself. This doesn't require a supplement or anything, and this is one of the most important ones here. Do not isolate yourself. Living on an island, not having a community, can lead to loneliness. And with entrepreneurs, with executives, with in general ambitious people. And probably men in general, probably men as well, is we can isolate ourselves. We can internalize. We can keep a lot of problems in and we can suffer in silence. And that stuff slowly erodes us and builds up. And loneliness can accelerate aging by 1.65 years while also being highly, highly, highly inflammatory, which was very surprising to me. Loneliness can also lead to some more serious mental health problems as well, which can lead to some very um, dangerous results that some are um, irreversible. So this is a very serious thing to do not isolate yourself. This is something that I still work on. I know I mentioned this a lot on episodes where I talk about this, but I'm very much a lone wolf. But sometimes you... We can only go so far by ourselves. It takes a community. Success is a team sport. It is not a solo sport. So really keep that in mind, not even just professional-wise, but even with your health, even with your relationships. Success is a team sport. So, of course, you got family and friends, but you got neighbors, you got social groups. And you got peers that are moving in the same direction as you are. Form your Avengers. Form your A-team. And last but not least is to have a mission. 
This one is harder to quantify. I don't think you can go in a research lab and measure this about a mission. But you talk to any healthy individual. I talk to plenty of them. And I talk to some that are quite up there in their chronological age. You'll quickly see that the power of having a mission, your purpose, your why, simply the reason why you wake up every morning directly impacts your health and your energy. If you look at the blue zones, areas with some of the longest lived human beings, one of the core traits of these people living a long and high quality life is to have some sort of purpose, have some sort of rhyme and reason for getting out of the bed and going about your day. That simple. So as we land this ship here, taking the steps to controlling how you age while maintaining your edge and status does not have to be overwhelming. Doesn't have to be overwhelming at all. You can start by implementing some of the actions shared in this episode, and then you can further build out from there. Now, if you want a more precise approach that's methodical, comprehensive, removes the guesswork, and is fairly cutting edge, then I'll love to talk to you and see if one of the offerings that we have here is a fit for you. Now, there's a link in the comments where you can book a time for 30 minutes for introductory conversation so we get to learn more about each other, and, and we'll go from there. But anyway. With that said, thank you again for tuning in. I appreciate you being here. I don't take it for granted. You could be anywhere in the world listening to anything else, but you decided to listen to this. So stay awesome, be limitless, and as always, go be the CEO of your health and your life. Peace. <laughs>